Hey, I was thinking last week marked five years uh, since Heidi and I came here and I came on staff just, you know, for six months temporarily um, five years ago. That's sort of funny. Okay. Do I need to get okay up here with some more jokes? What's uh, the warm-up going? There was also another family that showed up the same day, five years ago, and um, Aaron Amos Mackey, single mom in your, what, mid-20s? Got to be careful here, right? Right? We're good with that, she says. About five years. Corwin, don't do that to your mother. You're going to get in so much trouble. Let me teach you one thing you'll learn today. Yep. Um, I've learned that the hard way, bro. So, all right. So, um, but same day, um, Erin moved here with uh, her three kids, just looking to rebuild. Let's see. Yeah, wave. Wave. Two of the three are right here. Yep. Um, Right there. Only two. Two of the three right there. So, um, she moved here with the kids, getting to needing a new start in her life, um, uh, to rebuild her life, to start following Jesus. And holy cow, she jumped in, like dove in quick, like just started going to Bible studies and women's ministry and just about everything that was happening uh, here. She became a part of, and I've just we've been watching her journey through her life, all the different things that she's gone through, and just the incredible gifts that she has, and. Um, so it's been five years, and two years ago she joined our staff in the as a youth associate. She's going to seminary at Grand Canyon University, and you will finish in May. You're going to beat me to my master's. You won't. You won't beat me to my. Oh, you will still beat me to my master's. Yep, you will. Okay, so so she's doing that, and she's also. Uh, cultivating a gift for teaching and preaching. Um, So would you guys welcome our very own Aaron Amos Mackey to preach this morning. Thank you so much. (laughs) And he is. I I knew this was coming. But uh, good morning, Hope family. It is so good to be here with you today. As Doug said, my name is Erin Amos Mackey. For those who don't know me, I am in seminary at Grand Canyon University and on staff as the youth associate. And it's just, it's really a treat and a privilege to be able to like come up before you and share with you what God has been doing in my heart and in my life. And my hope is that God will use what he's doing in me to speak personally to you and where you're at. Last week, Doug kicked off the series that we're in, Love Your Blank Neighbor. We're looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Didn't even try to make a joke there. That works. (laughs) It's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And uh, last week, Doug covered the interaction between Jesus and the teacher of the law, really setting us up well and uh, how we can take some action steps to love our actual next-door neighbor. I'll be continuing where he left off, but first, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us all here today. And I pray that you would soften our hearts and open our minds for what you have for us today. And that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for your presence I ask that you make your presence known in a tangible way to each of us as you meet us exactly where we are. 
thank you for loving us so perfectly, even though we're all so very different. And I pray that the words that I speak would be from you, and anything that's not from you would fall away. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so maybe after Doug's talk last week, if you caught it, you were excited to go out and get to know your neighbor. Woohoo! Learn how to love them better, right? Or maybe you're like, oh my gosh, just one thing to add to my plate. I have to make an excuse. Hey, Barbara, oh, um, that's just too inconvenient. Well, if the latter is you, you're in luck because today we're going to be talking about love your inconvenient neighbor. Excellent, thank you. So let's begin. A priest and a Levite walk into a bar. No? You, you've all heard this one? Let me try it one more time. A priest and a Levite walk into a bar. Ouch. Oh, wait. Sorry, that's the wrong parable. Starting over. We'll be in Luke chapter 10. For those who have your Bibles, turn with me now. For those who don't, it'll be on the screen. All right. So we're following up right after the teacher of the law asked Jesus this question. And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers with a parable. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So I'm going to stop right there for a moment and just give you some background. What Jesus said would not have come as a surprise to his audience. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was notorious for being very dangerous and was lovingly referred to at least according to the very reliable source of Wikipedia, as way of blood, or from an actual reliable source, a scent of blood. It was named for the blood that the robbers spilled upon its road. So it's not a surprise that a man was robbed and beaten on this road. And now we'll continue. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So here enters the priest and the Levite. They're the characters that we're going to be looking at in our message today. For those who may not know, in biblical times, the priests worked in the temple. They were responsible for carrying out the temple services. And according to Jonathan Stokey, the services had to be done correctly to make sure that the divine blessings of abundance would come. Now, fun fact, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests, which brings us to the Levite. The Levites also worked in the temple. Their job was important, but not as important as the priests. They manned the temple gates, cleaned the temple, they slaughtered some of the sacrificial animals, and performed music during temple worship. But both men knew the Jewish law. In the temple, the Pentateuch, or Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, were read regularly. They too could love God and love your neighbor. But just because people know something, it doesn't mean that they follow it to a T. Both also would have probably groaned after hearing Doug's message about taking steps to love their actual neighbor. You see, they made excuses. 
Now, we don't know exactly which way the priest and the Levite were headed. Like, we know the beaten man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we don't exactly know what was going on in their head. But since they're people like us, we can speculate. So let's say they're going to Jerusalem, to the temple. I feel it's safe to assume that they could have been thinking, not today, of all days. Why do I have to come across this beaten man now? I can't help him. I have to remain clean for my work at the temple. It's very important. And it's me, right? My body has to be clean. No one else can do my job. Now, let's pretend they were heading to Jericho. Maybe they're going home. Why did it have to be today of all days? I just got done with a really long stint at the temple, and I have a long way to go, and I'm so tired. I don't have time for this guy. Either way, both men saw the beaten half-dead man who was conveniently in their path as an inconvenience, and each man passed by him on the other side. Now, that's an interesting choice of words Jesus used. Because when I read on the other side, I picture this road. Wide, really good space. There is another side. But in reality, this video shows what the road was actually like. As you can see, these people are walking a single file line. They could possibly walk side by side. But... And it wouldn't be very convenient to pass on the other side. You'd either have to like scramble up one side or scooch along the edge and risk possibly falling down. Or, I mean, you could just step over the guy that's lying in the middle of the road if he was like perpendicular to it. But this is what they chose to do. See, for the priest and the Levite, they didn't personally know this man on the side of the road. So they're able to easily dismiss him in their minds and justify themselves with whatever good excuse they made up in their heads. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. It would nullify my work at the temple. What have you. So whatever reason they chose, both viewed this neighbor as an inconvenience. Now it's really easy for me to read this part of the parable, shake my head at these guys and be, shame on them. Why couldn't they just help that guy? But if I'm really honest, I can identify myself in them. I too have found people to be inconvenient. And I'm not just talking about the guy at the side of the road. I'm talking about the people in my house. As I've been thinking about who I see as an inconvenient neighbor, God has made me aware of how I've been treating my children as inconvenient neighbors. Do I really have to listen to this kid talk about Beyblades for half an hour? (laughs) I have better things to do, right? That's what I think. Not all the time, Corwin. And, you know, I know I'm not the only important things to do than interact with our neighbor. I need to get to work. I don't have time to deal with this kid's emotions. Or, man, I had a really hard day at work, and my wife or husband is really needy right now. I don't have time for that. Or, man, I just want to do what I want to do, and I don't have time to play with my little little brother or sister. 
So these thoughts are like rarely spoken out loud, um, and sometimes they're not even thought thoroughly in our heads. It just comes off as a general feeling of annoyance. But these responses are indicative that we see others as inconvenient to us. But we're not in this series of loving your neighbors so that you can go out and with your own strength force yourself to love your neighbor. Or pretend like everything is fine and the people in your life don't feel like inconveniences when they actually do. If we do that, we miss out on something wonderful. When Jesus tells us at the end of this parable to go and do likewise, we miss out the heart of it. Out on the heart of it. So, why do we feel as though loving our neighbors is an inconvenience? Why did the priest and the Levite go out of their way to ignore the beaten man on the side of the road? When people become inconveniences, it's a signpost for us that something inside of us is off. There's this disconnection somewhere. And it all starts with our relationship with God. If there isn't, if our relationship with God isn't happening, we won't be able to love ourselves well, let alone others. So, are you open to God moving in your life? There's this one song that will come up quite often in my playlist. I must have like hit like it. It's called I'm Open by Cecily. The singer opens the song with the line, I'm open, completely open. Take my life, take my will and take your place. Spirit, come and have your way. And lately, I find myself inwardly cringing when the song begins. I mean, it could be that, like, the woman hits this tone that I just don't resonate with. But um, that cringe leads me to wonder, is it because I'm not actually open to God? I mean, I wonder this because I realized when my children felt inconvenient to me for a while, I'd closed off myself from God. And closing myself off from God started small, which is how most unhealthy things do. And then it gradually snowballed. And in fact, I thought it had started off as self-care. I won't get too deep into self-care, but there is a spectrum. At one end of the spectrum, people can see self-care as indulgent. Aren't we supposed to love others? I don't have to take time for myself. But when they do that, they're actually denying themselves, denying what they truly need so that they can love others well. So if you're loving others but feeling empty inside because you give and you give and you don't take those steps to do self-care, you're not going to get filled up. But then at the other end of the spectrum, self-medication. I know this side very well. This is when self-care morphs into something really unhealthy like numbing ourselves with things. So there's lots of options to practice healthy self-care, like taking a nap, watching a movie, um, being with others, having a drink. But a nap can just turn into sleeping all day. An occasional drink to relax can end up needing a drink to relax. And getting out of the house and interacting with others can morph into having one-night stands. I'm very, as I said, I'm very familiar with this side of the spectrum. But then there's somewhere in the middle, and that's the healthy place to be, but I'll get to that later. 
So for the last few months, I started noticing something had been off. I was feeling really overwhelmed with my feelings. I mean, everything seemed fine. I told myself, like, there's no logical reason for me to be feeling the way I was. But I was indulging in Netflix a lot. I mean, I was supposedly using it as a form of self-care, but really, I was hiding out from some feelings that had come up. And it started, like, as a little thing. I said something out loud, but internally, I had this weird feeling that what I had just said was not completely true. But since I had already said it, and I wanted it to be true, I didn't voice the discrepancy that I was feeling. And so life went on. But then I started having these little disappointments here and there. And uh, I never mentioned them to anyone because I was on the path that I thought I was supposed to be on. But because I didn't deal with these disappointments and I had written them off, I didn't, and I didn't feel like getting to the root of like where these little disappointments were coming from, I decided I would cope with some self-care, watching Netflix, and it was great. I mean, I escaped to a different world. I watched people take care of their problems without needing to take care of mine. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that, I did that for a little while. And then a little while turned into hours, and hours turned into days, and days turned into months. And eventually, I found myself shirking my duties. Like, I would go, I, I go to seminary at GCU, so I have homework, and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to do my homework right now. Netflix is nice. Okay. I did get the assignments turned in. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> still that 4.0 student. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was using Netflix like a drug to numb myself from my emotions, and sadly, it just ended up numbing myself to the world around me. See, I was denying what was going on inside of me. I was pretending like everything's good, I put on this mask, and I decided I would just grind it out and keep doing for God instead of bringing my feelings to God and the community that was around me. I was scared to bring up what was going on inside of me because I didn't want to lose what I had. And this took a lot to manage that lie, and which gave me nothing, no energy for anyone else. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there now. Or maybe you'll definitely be there in the future one day. You feel like something is wrong with you. But instead of turning to God, you turn to something else. Something that won't cause you to deal with what's going on inside, at least for a little while. And, you know, pick your poison. It, does, it can be anything. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, 25, when we try to save our lives, we lose them. But when we lose our life for God, we'll save it. When we try to make it seem like everything is okay because we're afraid of what will happen if the truth comes out, we're not trusting God with our lives. We're not trusting that God has something good for us. Instead of taking the time to talk with God and invite others into our lives to speak into them, you end up checking out. See, I was trying to save the life that I knew, the life that worked for me, the life that was convenient for me. 
what I needed or what I thought I needed. I was holding on so tight and it was exhausting. But then, thankfully, one day I was forced to deal with this dissonance inside of me. And it was as though I woke up from a really long sleep. My mind became clearer. I was able to let God in again because I wasn't trying to hide anything anymore. I was able to write this message. I had more capacity. Like I was able to do something every day in the evening for one whole week and focus on people other than myself. And I found like life in that, right? Like I would talk to someone and focus on them and not myself. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. That was when I was realized how I, that, that was when I was able to realize how I was treating my children as inconveniences. So, when does a neighbor become inconvenient? When we're trying to avoid something in ourselves because we're scared of losing something that we're so used to that we don't have energy to focus on anyone else. We're busy focusing on what we have that we don't have room left over. And when we do this, we're missing out on the amazing life God has planned for us. And maybe this is what the priest and the Levite did too. They were so focused on themselves and what they had to do that, and ignoring what was probably going on inside of them, that they went out of their way to avoid the man who was in desperate need of their time and attention. Sure, what they were doing was for God, but that's not what God is inviting us into. And that's not what God wants for you. He doesn't want you to focus on what you're doing for him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. We can't love our inconvenient neighbor on our own. That would just be continuing to do for God. The sweet spot of the self-care spectrum is when you're able to take care of yourself and have leftovers for others. This is done by taking time to be with God and be open with God about how you're feeling and what he may have for your life. See, God created us to be in relationship with him. And the good news is that when we're connected with God, loving others will come naturally. The priest and the Levite were performing for God and in their performance missed out on the relationship with God and their neighbor became an inconvenience. I was avoiding what was going on in my heart and blocking God out, and because of that, everything became an inconvenience. So as the band comes up, here's the point that I don't want you to miss. It's time to wake up to what's going on inside of ourselves. If loving others is inconvenient, then something is hindering our relationship with God. And we need to talk to him about it. We won't have a full life if we aren't connecting with the one who gave us life. So here's a question you can ask yourself and really be honest. How is your relationship with God? Are you doing for God? Are you being with God? Or are you avoiding God? The priest and the Levite knew the law but they had gotten so busy working for God that they lost sight of their relationship with God. So what are you going out of your way to avoid? Invite God into it and know that no matter what the outcome is, God is good and his plan for you is good. 
it's better than we can ever imagine. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it's so hard to love our neighbors when we're so focused on what we're doing or trying to avoid things that are hard. Would you speak to us today and show us the areas where we're trying to earn your love or hide how we're feeling from ourselves? We can't live this life without you. And we can't love, or love others without your love pouring out of us. Move in us today, Lord. Bring us back to you. Turn our hearts towards you once more. Wake us from our slumber. Renew our minds and transform us into your image. In Jesus' name, amen.